This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, again, everybody, why we're all locked in, appreciate you all sticking with us here on Locked On Browns. Um, you know, for everybody, uh, you know, probably almost two weeks deep now, if not longer, uh, just, you know, have some patience to not end up a patient, I guess. So just, you know, I better try to just stay the course here. And, you know, hopefully uh, Memorial Day, if not sooner, we can maybe slowly start getting back to our lives somewhat, if that's possible. We are 24 days away from the 2020 NFL draft. However, whatever form that's going to come at us to, uh, you know, so obviously that's closing in. Um, and again, everybody, uh, thank you for all the birthday wishes. And contrary to popular belief, uh, not 60 or even 53. Uh, but yes, getting older here. Uh, joining here this evening from sportsillustrated.com, uh, Browns Digest over there, Pete Smith, uh, Jeff Lloyd, your host, Pete Smith, your local experts on all the biggest stories Cleveland Browns wise for your daily delivery of all things dog pound. Uh, Pete, first things first, uh, it's been a couple of days, but, uh, you know, whether, you know, April 23rd is coming and it's, you know, I guess, on you know, I guess maybe the NFL is just hoping to ride, ride the momentum high here. You know, also that it doesn't really alter their course too much as far as they can do the draft in other ways. Um, but, you know, for us, it does provide a break. And for a lot of people, you know, it provides a chance to just, you know, not have to think about everything else, even if it's, you know, just a minimal amount of day. Sure. So first and foremost, uh, on this day in 1967, Jeff Lloyd was born. And 20 years later after that, Andrew Barry was born. Uh, so happy birthday, Jeff. And, and celebrating his birthday, he made a ridiculous boast that I will certainly not forget, and I doubt listeners will allow him to forget, where he claimed, this is an old meme that's been around, where this dude tweeted out a big pile of McDonald's food and said, uh, you know, they offer you $3,500 to finish everything on this tray. And so Jeff... Jeff, you know, fighting off the you know a combination of cabin fever and you know not wanting to admit he's old, uh, boasted he could eat. And I'm looking at this tri- picture on the tray as we speak. There are three double cheeseburgers, one regular cheeseburger for some reason, two 20-piece McNuggets, two large fries, and four large drinks uh, on this tray. And uh, the the meme gives you 90 minutes to do this thing, and and Jeff uh, boasted he could do it in 60. Now, uh, you know, uh, Twitter tough guy over here is afraid currently to go do this uh, in the the situation. But rest assured, as soon as this is uh, feasible, this is absolutely happening, and he's going to go down hard. And I think the thing that's going to trip him up is the beverages, because that's 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 tricky business. But uh, the thing with the draft is I just don't know what the answer is that, that, that's going to make anyone happy. And, you know, you know, you, you try to avoid this whole topic, but, you know, since this thing has started, it's been a question of when is it sort of going to be at, at its worst. And we haven't hit that peak yet. And, you know, the end of April is likely to be, you know, where that happens and it may not happen until, you know, May or June or, you know, July. And, they, they, you know, at some point they still have to operate this thing like a league because at this point, 
they have not suggested that they are moving off of their, their planned schedule for this year. And certainly the NFL, uh, like all these leagues, is probably uniquely equipped that it could easily move back to you know, the regular season start two weeks, and it would be fine for the most part. Obviously, there's some logistical issues with stadiums and such, but still, they would ultimately be okay. But right now, they are, you know, not trying to, you know, change anything. And so whether it's, you know, April or theoretically July, uh, they have to do this. And, and July, obviously, is when, you know, training camp would start. Uh, I think, you know, they haven't admitted it yet, but I think the camps are basically screwed. But they have to make these – they have to pick the players. There's no great time to do it. So uh, to this point, they seem to be capitalizing normalcy. And I understand there was a – you know, there were some people who were sort of saying, well, maybe the league year should be delayed. And it's not that it's a bad argument. It's just, again, where, where, where do you stop? I mean, you delay it two weeks, what does it really do? And obviously, you know, there's people involved at every level. That's, in, you know, obviously the people in free agency, the people on the teams and agents and all this stuff. And you're worried about, you know, what do you have to do in terms of taking care of your family? And all of this is happening while other people are dealing with potential job losses and stuff. But the reality is when it actually happened, very few people were unhappy. Most people were, were welcoming the distraction. And I think for the most part, you know, when it comes to NFL contracts for players, it, it doesn't feel like real money in some ways. So it's not like you're sitting here like mad that, you know, the, the Browns gave Jack Conklin a $42 million deal and you're sitting here outraged going, well, what, this could be used for such and such. I, I don't think people look that way. So from that standpoint, it worked out in the NFL's benefit is they were the center of attention to, to the point where other sports weren't even going on. Normally there would be, you know, spring training would be in full swing, the NBA and NHL seasons would be going, and we'd have March Madness, obviously. Uh, so now they've got the sole attention of everyone. They're the only game in town uh, right now. And then that's going to largely be the case for the draft. So. From the NFL standpoint, they can see, they can push back and basically say, well, we can move this to whenever. And it still ultimately doesn't change the equation. It's got to get done. And they're going to go ahead and benefit, you know, take advantage of the fact that they're the only game in town in terms of what people are paying attention to, what people are watching, uh, when they aren't, you know, keeping up with current events and stuff. It's their one sort of outlet to normalcy. Um, and, well, and there's a, there's a bunch to it here. Also, this puts them able to, obviously, with the draft closing on the 25th, then you have you know the uh, you know probably you know that 48 way 48 hour window where undrafted free agency you know basically pops you know on and off the boards. This will be a way, I guess, to put out a plan to a 90 man roster. Look, this is where we're at now. Obviously, we can't expect you for workouts. As far as you working out, you know, this is what is expected of each of you individually here. Um, you start to, you know, decipher some information, you know, slowly to the rookies as far as what you want to do. Um, I, I think it's maybe just a plan in place to have everybody on the same page. I understand some people are saying, well, you know, MLB is having huge issues with their draft and what they're going to do. It's a lot different. Um, by the time the Major League Baseball draft rolls around in the second week of June, you know, unless for the College World Series, all of college, college baseball is done. 99% of high school baseball is done. So, but you're not getting a regular season to base the MLB draft off of. You have the college season to base the draft off for the, uh, you know, have the college past college season. 
you did get the combine in for those guys that didn't work out. Obviously, it ended up, you know, kind of biting them in the can, so to speak. But for MLB, it's you're basing everything on somebody who hasn't picked up a bat in a year playing competitive games. It does make things drastically, drastically different. Um, and for the NFL, it's at least going to allow for them to have a plan in place, so to speak. We will get to my, my McDonald's report. And um, my retort, I should say, we'll close with that. Um, but yeah, I'm quite confident in that. And certainly with the way I've been eating over here over the last 13, 14 days, I'm certainly confident with that. Jeff Lloyd from SI.com, Mr. Pete Smith, your Tuesday version of Locked On Browns. For those of you that have the Google Home Edition, um, ask it to play the latest Cleveland Browns news. Uh, you'll get the shorter versions, five minute, one minute, more, you know, Factual information, you know, we're doing roster breakdowns right now as we head into the draft here. Um, one minute stuff, you know, obviously Andrew Barry today, you know, the birthday boy and, you know, focusing. Hopefully you can take the aggressive nature towards the draft, things of that nature. So any hands-free device or your Google Home, ask it to play Lockdown Browns and have the latest show or the latest news from Lockdown Browns brought up for you. Now, Pete, obviously there's always talk about trading down here. And with the Browns at 10, there's a bunch of ways to look at this. The way to look at it where you could most conceivably see a trade down is in a minor capacity, whether it's the Jets at 11, whether it is the Raiders at 12, whether it's, it, whether it's the 49ers at 13, uh, Broncos sitting there at 15. Um, are these teams going to be content with just taking a wide receiver or do they have eyes, you know, like Ben Olber has been you know, basically talking for almost two months now. The Broncos are in love with Henry Ruggs III. Obviously, you know, a lot of teams like the role that he can bring to their offense. That's where Cleveland could maybe come into this niche here, holding the number 10 selection. And with some of these teams, the drop, I mean, with most of these teams, the drop down is minimal, obviously. So you could hopefully still acquire your top target and get assets. With some of these teams, it doesn't work out so well. San Francisco, it's tough because they hold 13, they hold 31, and they don't hold anything for you know, late day three. The Raiders match up. Denver matches up. The Jets have a ton of picks. So could they be in play for whoever is targeting, who is, in their opinion, the top wide receiver in the 2020 NFL draft? Well, um, so if the Browns could trade down, the Browns could theoretically trade down twice. I think the second they trade down, they're not going to get Andrew Thomas and Tristan Wirfs would likely be long gone. I think if they move down, uh, they're, they're immediately into the Josh Jones and Ezra Cleveland conversation. I don't think the Browns would have a pro- Let's say they move down to 15, and maybe they think Ezra Cleveland is a 25-ish type player. I don't think they'll blink. I think they'll take him, and, and they'll, they'll take what the assets they get out of this to sort of make up what they feel is the difference. And I do think the Browns have some negotiating power here. Uh, if all the other teams are sort of hanging tough and, and aren't going to move. The Jaguars are a little scary from that standpoint uh, at nine. Um, I, you know, maybe Carolina, but it really does seem like the Browns are in sort of a sweet spot in terms of, you know, if, if those guys are off the board, if, if Tristan Wirfs and Andrew Thomas are gone, then they're going to, you know, get some more ammo in, in the draft. Uh, and, and they may get more than some people expect simply by virtue of the fact that you know, a lot of these teams, I don't even know who picks 14th, but everybody else there seems to be all about uh, Henry Ruggs, or at least is being connected to Henry Ruggs. 
you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it was, you know, somebody's sort of running a fake on this, like the Raiders, but Henry Ruggs, you know, Al Davis uh, would, would run that pick up. But it really does feel like a great fit for what the Denver Broncos want to do with Drew Locke and Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton and the backs they have, and it would take some pressure off the offensive line. So they could, you know, get into a bidding war. But if the Browns are sitting there at 10 and the Jets, who I think, unless they go get Trent Williams, are sort of chasing in this draft, chasing needs, um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Browns were to just flip a pick with the Jets who then take their guy and then the Browns, you know, presumably an offensive tackle. Maybe they, you know, are willing to give up Andrew Thomas in that scenario and then trade again down with the Broncos, move down twice, get a bunch of assets. Um, I still think, you know, they, they, they would love to get works. They would love to get Thomas, but you know, I, I think they, as much as they would love to get Orlando pace on that left tackle, I don't think they, they sit there thinking they need that so much as they just need to get a pretty good tackle and then hopefully other draft assets. Yeah. And, you know, if it's Denver, you know, they have a couple of mid picks, um, Oakland has, uh, I believe it's 89 and 90, I want to say, something of that nature. So they got two third-round picks. Uh, Tampa Bay is picking 14th. Um, they wouldn't be coming. If they were coming north, it certainly wouldn't uh, you know, necessarily be for a wide receiver for them. It would most likely be wouldn't tackle. Think so, but, you know, stranger thing. I mean, I, I have no idea what Bruce Arians wants to do with that team. So I, I'm, I'm prepared for anything. I mean, this theory could be, hey, let's just drop 50 each week and see how the cards, you know essentially fall out, you know, with Tom Brady maybe playing in some warmer weather. So, but uh, the Bucks do hold 14 and what they would be trading up for uh, is certainly interesting. Let's put it this way, Pete. If Tristan Wirfs or Andrew Thomas are available at 10, are you even picking up the phone or it's a done deal? You're not moving. I would, I would go ahead and make the pick. I, 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 I get the temptation and maybe if there's a really sweet deal, I'd have to know it's on the table. Like, you know, if somebody's offering you say, you know, a second round pick or something, move up even a third. It's tempting, but to me, I don't want to mess. I don't want to mess around and get cute. Uh, I, you know, I, I think there's a real possibility the Browns are going to trade down from 41 anyway. Uh, I, but those guys are so good for what you want to do that I that I don't think you're gonna you're gonna you know say no to them. Either one, they're both just phenomenal players. I think part of the problem with this offensive tackle class is the class is so good that we're spoiled and it's very easy to sort of go, well, you know, so-and-so is really not that good because, you know, they're not even the top tackle or the fourth best tackle in the class for whatever reason. But like, you know, going into this draft class, you know, I I thought Andrew Thomas was going to be the top tackle taken for so much of it. I'm still not sure he isn't the best one right now. And then Tristan Wirfs is just an absolute freak show athletically can do so much and then has a degree in zone blocking from, you know, Iowa and one of the best in the business. So it would have to be a really big trade for me to pass either one of those guys. And I don't think I can do it. I just, both those guys in particular, uh, I, I just think are phenomenal, but I think if anything, I would say the drop off from those guys to Josh Jones on tape, is a is a smaller drop off than the drop off from Josh Jones to Ezra Cleveland is, and Ezra Cleveland has franchise tackle. I think he could be a Joe Staley type if he hits his potential and and gets it all working. 
but uh, he's got the most questions of those guys on tape in terms of what I'm looking for. And a lot of it's just the way he sort of finishes plays. I just, I wish I saw more. Uh, there are t- too many times where it seems like, you know, the, the, the shift ends during the play and he just shuts it down. Mm, and if anybody knows Pete knows he likes that tenacity and uh, play to the whistle, even if it's a little past out of the tackle play. Um, if it's worse or Thomas, um, you're, and you pass on either one of them, you're putting obviously a, a huge, huge amount of pressure on, you know, anybody you're going to take after that. And if this class is supposed to be talked about as the offensive tackle group is insanely deep and is insanely deep as far as tier one offensive tackles, and you're picking 10, and you have the opportunity to get your hands on a premium good here. Um, it's one thing. I mean, if you dip down two spots to the Raiders, you know, something Al Davis probably would in a heartbeat for Henry Ruggs back in the day, God rest his soul. And you can still assure yourself that you're going to get Thomas or worse. That's different. But, yeah, if it's uh, Tristan Worse or it's Andrew Thomas, there's no way I, I can pull the eject button. You just got to get it done. And, look, you know, if you want more picks, you know, like Pete said, you can move around 41. Um, at that point in the draft, you're going to have teams still – hoping to get some of these you know, second-tier or third-tier tackles, which aren't terrible consolation prizes. So if you've already got one in your pocket, you can start maybe thinking about drifting back, dropping back a little bit uh, from there. we got a bunch of listener questions to get to here. Uh, Tuesday edition, uh, Pete Smith joining Jeff Floyd here on Locked on Browns. If anybody understands what it's like in economic times like this, it's you know a fellow small bo- business owner like myself, and I think about people like Zabo Apparel and everybody in the apparel business here, Cleveland-wise, Browns-wise, sports-wise, city-wise. Um, it's a tough blow here, um, and when everything relies upon you and getting up every day and going to do your job, and if that's enough to get it done, that's fantastic. But when that's taken away from you, it makes it really, really difficult. So times like these, let's look out for our small family-owned businesses, Zabo Apparel, S-Z-A-B-O. ZaboApparel.com uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, at ZaboApparel. Again, S-Z-A-B-O, the fine folks over at Zabo Apparel. We got questions to get to here. Um, and Pete, you know, it always happens every year. Quarterback-wise, we get these, you know, going down the stretch. One quarterback kind of gets the flavor for the week. And it seems kind of, uh, you know, Justin, you know, uh, Justin Herbert's getting it a little bit right now. Um, you know, FaceTiming with the teams here. The Raiders seem like they're really involved. He's spoken with the Chargers. Now, this is one thing, though, because <clears throat> obviously people, we've <clears throat> teams have been through this for years where, you know, you've swung and missed because a kid aced an interview and you glossed over maybe, you know, 85% of other glaring things that you should have taken more seriously. But now that you're actually doing it through a lens of FaceTime or a video conference call, um, he probably got to even, you know, devalue that even that much more. Cause I mean, you're not getting body language. The guy's not necessarily, you know, even in the room with you. Um, yeah, these are great tools and this is all you can really work with right now, but you know, you still got to be leery of them. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, teams are doing what they can do, but obviously it's, it's just different, you know, when, when, you know, these, you go to a facility and, and these things are basically a day with some of these quarterbacks, you know, you're taking them out to dinner, you're, you're doing, you know, stuff on the board, you, you, you know, you're going through the facility with them, you sort of get to, you know, be around them for a long time. And, and maybe these interviews are, are really, really long over FaceTime, but it's just, it's obviously a little bit different and not quite as, you know, it doesn't leave you the same sense of confidence. Having said that, you know, uh, Josh Allen went seventh overall to the Buffalo Bills and he couldn't play dead, and yet they still did it. And Herbert, 
is better than Allen as a passer, but it's the same deal where it's a really likable toolsy guy. Uh, you know, you're theoretically taking a, a giant piece of clay and hoping to make it into a, you know, a great quarterback. And, you know, the coaches are able to talk themselves into these things. I, you know, I saw that thing where, you know, Matt Miller is saying that there are teams who like Herbert better than Tua, which, you know, I, I, maybe there are teams of doctors who think that, but it's hard to base that on anything but potential because on tape, it's not really close to seeing who's the better player. But this is sort of what happened. And part of this is the fact that, you know, this is all we have. It's not teams flying around to a thousand pro days. And in, in there's so much more, and I think this honestly makes for an interesting dynamic in this is there's a real fog of war when it comes to the draft you know you have with all these pro days and and workouts and stuff you have this you know you you are able to sort of track what everybody else is doing you know schools are, are are wanting to be able to brag up their football program that got you know six nfl teams and all this for their stuff but you can sort of keep an eye on what you know, your, your, your division is doing what other teams are doing, get a sense of, you know, who they sort of like, and, you know, save for the biggest of the big guys with this FaceTime stuff, there's really nothing to go off of. I mean, you're, you're basically entirely going off of, you know, who, you know, and, and, you know, agents and all that type of stuff, your information, uh, you know, as far as where, where, where people are going and stuff like that, but it's there's so much more of a challenge in terms of, of figuring out what other people are doing. So I imagine in a lot of ways teams are probably using you know they all all use like mock drafts and the media and stuff to sort of get an idea of what where things are going. But they they're sort of relying on it more than maybe they have in the past because they just don't have enough information. So you know this becomes sort of a big story, whereas maybe a different time. Uh, you know, in a previous year, we'd be talking more about small school guys. Obviously, Jeremy Chin is a guy who's getting a lot of publicity, but there's less, you know, sort of unearthed prospects that somebody's going, oh, I just rewatched tape on so-and-so, the classic, I didn't know this, and now I'm, people are telling me he's good, so I'm going back and uh, saying he's really good. Uh, you're not getting as much of that this year, so you, you're sort of starved for news from that standpoint. Um, it's actually funny and Luckbug, thanks for that question. Um, it is funny because actually, uh, you brought up Chin here and all of a sudden, because he played in the senior bowl, because he participated in the combine. Now, you know, you're getting, you know, Jeremy Chin goes round one. Um, granted, you know, tough draft period for Delpit, um, Winfield, uh, you know, medicals question mark. Um, but how does a guy from Southern Illinois all of a sudden make, this type of jump where we're maybe talking first safety off the board, Pete. Who's jumping up to four? No, no. First safety off the board in Jeremy Chin. Oh yeah. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm not there on Jeremy Chin. I'm just not, I've watched tape. He's, he's massive. Uh, He looks just like Taylor Mays did at USC. Uh, It's just freakish body and the ability to, to get to full speed and, and and turn it on and go. But you watch him, and I, I just don't see his ability to, 
to, to see it and go fast enough. Uh, I think he's thinking too much. And I think if he's moved into sort of a, an X or, or a, you know, nickel linebacker type role, which is where I think he's ultimately going to end up, maybe that reduces the amount of, of thinking he has to do and the amount of processing and he can sort of click and go faster. But, yeah, he had great production, uh, you know, dominant production at Southern Illinois. He, he, he tested really well in terms of explosion and all those things. I, I just, it's too rich, way too rich for me. I think he's a day three guy. Uh, I, I think, you know, some of it, it, of his rise is just due to the demand to find guys who can cover tight ends. I mean, you look at the AFC North just as an example, and the Browns, Ravens, and Steelers all have two tight ends that are going to be a big part of their offense. And the Bengals have, you know, tight ends and stuff. It's just if you can get defenders who can actually really help you do that, you're going to do that. And maybe Chin's a guy who can do that. And, and if you can sort of focus him on that role and slowly expand it as he becomes more confident with it, you could get a real player. I just it it, it just reeks to me of Terrell Edmonds, uh, you know, going at the end of the first round for the the Pittsburgh Steelers, which at the time is a huge shock. Uh, that's just, it's not what they want him to be. And you're sort of hoping he grows into it. And I think that's the risk you're going at this thing with Chin. And especially, you know, I, I'm really not a big fan of the other, of Duggar uh, from Renoir Ryan or whatever he's from. But the other question I have is, is if you're going to get a guy who's basically learning the position and is a freakish athlete, you know, maybe you wait until day three and you get, Devion Taylor from Colorado, who was, you know, that position, that X slash safety role in the slot, who's got 4-4 speed and just absolutely flies around on tape. He doesn't always know what he's doing, but I, I don't see a, a huge drop off from Chin to, to Taylor, and it might be a difference of three or four rounds. Uh, I mean, I guess it's all, you know, partly on what you think of Chin, but I think also part of it with Chin is everybody kind of got to know him each and every step of the way going through, um, you know, through obviously whether it's senior bowl, whether it's combine and look, it's that time of year where um, prospects get pimped up and it probably doesn't hurt him too much that um, he has a certain uncle who's a safety, who's headed to Canton this August to be inducted in Steve Atwater. Pete, which this is tough because I know you kind of like them both here. Which wide receiver goes off the board first, Michael Pittman Jr. or Devin DeVornay? I assume Pittman will. Uh, he's, I think he's a, I think he's the plug and play, will step in and be good right now type player. Uh, Devin DeVornay uh, from Texas, I love him. Uh, I, his hands and his ability to sort of create separation is impressive. Uh, he tracks the ball deep really well. He just is not a route runner at this point. Occasionally he does some things that look really good, but in general he just doesn't do enough. Uh, and if he can do that and he become a, a good route runner in the NFL, he could be phenomenal. Uh, it just He's built like a tailback, 4-3 speed, uh, can absolutely fly. He's the type of guy who catches a ball, gets two, two steps after the catch, and it's like five yards, uh, and, and he does it consistently at Texas. Uh, Michael Pittman, I think, is full service. He's built like a, a linebacker. 
Uh, you, you know, he, he basically is another tight end outside. He's not, he's not 230 pounds. I think he's mid 220s, but he just has that size component. He knows how to create separation. He knows how to run routes. He knows how to, you know, position his body to set himself up after the catch. There's a lot of sort of Keenan Allen in his game, but he's just bigger and he's got all the athletic traits you w- could want. Uh, to me, there's no reason that Michael Pittman shouldn't be a, uh, a first rounder, but just the nature of how the position is valued and the way, you know, it's likely to go. He may be sitting there uh, round three, just because there's just so many and, and people are stupid. I, you know, it, it would not surprise me at all. It, or I should say, I wouldn't be disappointed in the least if the Browns just decided, look, we love this guy and we're taking him at 41 and that's that. I don't think it'll happen, but he's just, he's outstanding. Juvenile is more of a project. I think he'd be great for what the Browns want to do. Uh, he can do a lot of things that, that this offense can sort of play with in terms of, you know, maybe some jet sweep type action uh, and providing a deep threat that the Browns don't have really at this point outside of Beckham. Uh, they can stretch the field, but he's, he's, they're both very good players. It just speaks to the depth of this class. you die? Are you trying to eat that freaking McDonald's thing right now? Are you currently talking to yourself and recording and not actually making any sound? The McDonald's meme here, sir. Now, the McDonald's meme here, as far as the picture of the burgers. First things first, seven McDonald's burgers is probably not even a pound of meat. I do agree with you here. The tricky part definitely is the liquid. So you would need to space the liquids up here. With 90 minutes, you're going to have time to go to the bathroom anyway. I'm sorry. You said 60. Okay. 60. Even still, I have the time. Okay. So you start off with the burgers. Those are the most difficult ones here. You save the single for last. You got to pound out at least two of those doubles right away. Um, And like I said, McDonald's burgers, seven McDonald's burgers does not constitute even one pound of meat. So it's not a lot. The rolls are an issue. Of course they are. But they're going to be greased up to the nine. So those are going to go right down. As far as the nuggets, I'm not sure if they're 10 or they're 20. If it's 40, yes, it does get a little trickier. To me, it looked like 10 nuggets. But either way, that's still 20 nuggets you got to get down. you got to space those out. I'm looking at the boxes right here. There's more than 10 in those boxes. All right, and I still don't get why there's the one single cheeseburger, but whatever. The fries are nothing. I I think they ran out of meat. Maybe, maybe it's certainly a possibility. The fries, one of those sleeves of fries is going home in the car ride. So that's abolished right there. That's how fast that's going to go down, the fries. The drinks <laughs> are the key. What? What are you, that's, you're what? on the clock once you start eating. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I have a McDonald's that I'm eight minutes from. Something's in the car ride home. I got a sleeve of fries down and oh, give me 10 nuggets. Oh, no, when we Let's do this. You're, we're set, your, your, your wife, because God knows you can't do it, is going to set up a camera and you are going to do this on tape. We're going to have a, we're going to have a clock. We're going to have an hour for you to eat this whole thing and people will watch. 
I'm in. I'm in. It's food. I'm eating five meals a day right now. With everybody on different schedules, there's food coming out of the kitchen every hour. I feel like we live in there's the Italian grandmother's house. No, I, first, I, at least we agree on the one thing. The drinks are what's going to get you. That, that's just, it's just going to take up space. You're, you're screwed. You're going to get juice thing. belly. But yeah, I, I, I think you're underestimating just how many fries are in there. And I, and I think you're underestimating the, 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 the nuggets. Now, what sauce are you going with with these nuggets? Are you going to go plain to try to save space? You got to go with the sauce. Otherwise, those suckers aren't getting down. So you're going to go simple. You'll go with the barbecue. The barbecue okay. is the easiest way to go down. Okay. It's sweet. It'll go down. The salt from the fries will induce hopefully getting those drinks down. Hardest part here is the drinks. The food is nothing. I'm telling you right now, the food is nothing. Oh I'm telling you. Oh, as somebody who can eat, I have taken down a, a Division One future Ohio State potential recruit, or at least a uh, is agreed to go there. I took him down eating wings and a running back who's heading off to uh, to uh, well, college in Maryland eating wings. I, I understand how 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 you know this work. You know the con the concept of just throwing down food. So God, you know, Mike and Chris, if you listen, you know what happened. That's right. You got taken down. Now look at this. Uh, this, it's just a lot, there's a lot of crap and empty, you know, just, just crap. It's just going to sit there and it's going to ruin you. And you're not, I, I will be, if you get through half of it, I will be impressed, but there's no way you get through all that. Half of it. Get through all that. Half of day. it. Half of it. The burgers aren't going to be an issue at all. That's half of it right there. I'm telling you. <laughs> Yeah, this is what I, this is what I want now because now I I, I just I, part of me just and obviously I'm not going to tell you how to eat it but now part of me just wants you to see if you can do just the sandwiches before you do anything else because I think what's going to happen is you're going to realize what you got yourself into and you're going to say woof fifty three eight forty three and you're going to tap out fifty three <laughs> not 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 going to happen. Oh, oh, God. All right, folks. Well, now, um, if anybody was looking for any other reason for the coronavirus bans to be lifted sooner than later, um, everybody stay inside, stay clean. Um, so I can put what, what you figure. They'll, they'll help you out. I am, not, I am not ordering fast food under these circumstances, my friend. <laughs> no way whatsoever. But, uh, yeah, I'll tackle 15,000 calories. What the hell do I care? All right, with that, we're going to put a bow on this here. Uh, everything over Browns Digest through SI.com. Obviously, Pete and his team continue to put out uh, great work. Like I said, we got 24 days here to the draft, so obviously a lot more coming here. Stuff to be finalized, you know, some you know, some more things to write about, things of that nature as we get closer and closer to April 23rd here. Uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, so make sure you're following that, obviously, uh, through SI.com and Browns Digest on social media, uh, at underscore Pete Smith underscore um, been a hell of a march here. Um, obviously been crazy as far as, you know, what's going on in the real world. Um, so appreciate everybody finding a way here to, you know, sneak on in, listen to some shows here, try to just, you know, provide you guys a, you know, a break from what the craziness and the monotony is of our everyday lives here. Um, so with that, this is Ben locked on Browns on Twitter. Make sure, uh, it's always follow back account. DMs are open. 
me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open over there as well. Again, thanks for all the birthday wishes um, and signing off your soon to be McDonald's eating champion. And we'll close on that note. This has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.